Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 106. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the podcast, I am thrilled to be speaking with Brianna and Dr. Peter Borden of The Dragon Tree. If you have been a listener for a while, you'll remember that they were on the show last year for episode 72, and I could not be more excited to have them back. That episode was in the top 10 downloads of season two, and I have been looking forward to to having another discussion with them. Since the last time they were on the show, the Bortons have written a new book, Rituals for Transformation. And ever since that last discussion, I've wanted to have a continuation of that talk. At the time, it felt like there was so much room to talk about how we find our own center and find sweetness in our lives, even when there are just so many hard and awful things happening in the world. I was totally overjoyed to find out that the Bortons had out a new book that addresses the how of finding your way back to yourself through rituals. I really love getting the chance to chat with them again. Plus, you'll hear me commit at the very end of this episode to a challenge of creating a project plan to find a way to make things better in the world. But before we get to this discussion, first let me say I am so glad that you are here. I always feel like I'm just the luckiest podcaster out there getting to speak with such interesting and amazing people, and I'm so glad to have you here listening each week. Thank you so much for being an amazing part of the audience and this show. If you are new, I publish show notes for each episode that include links to the guest's website, additional references, and some of my thoughts about the topics we discuss. This week, I reflect on what I really love most about this discussion, and you can find all of those notes at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 106. I'm going to ask two things of you this week. One, would you be so kind as to share Jumpstart Your Joy with a friend? If you know someone who is looking to find more joy in their life, please send them over to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you're looking for more joy in your life and want to extend what you're learning here on the show, You can head to the site yourself, jumpstartyourjoy.com, where you can find a free course, Joy Plus You Unleashed, and it walks you through ways to find more joy in your everyday. Brianna and Dr. Peter Borton are the owners of The Dragon Tree, and they are the authors of The Well Life, which was the book we talked about the last time they were on the show, and now their new book, Rituals for Transformation, and the creators of The Dreaming and Planning Course. They are based out of Portland, Oregon, and they own The Dragon Tree Spa. They also create a line of apothecary spa products. I know you're just going to love this discussion about creating rituals in your life. So here are Brianna and Dr. Peter Borden. Thank you so much. Welcome to the podcast. This week, I am so excited to have Brianna and Dr. Peter Borden back. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're happy to be here. (laughs) It's so good to hear your voices again. You guys, would you share a little bit about what you've been up to since the last time we spoke in season two? I would love to hear what's been going on. (laughs) Well, in our personal lives, we were in a pretty urban area and we moved 
out a little bit into the country onto a bigger piece of land so that we could kind of actualize our dream of living closer to the land, having chickens, producing more of our own food. My background is in botany before I went on to study uh, Chinese medicine, and I've wanted to do kind of larger scale food production for us and our community for a long time. So we'll be able to do that too. And in addition to a big move for us, we have also released another book that we wrote called Rituals for Transformation, which is a 108-day journey to your sacred life. And it's a a book that we collaborated on again, which was a really fun experience for us. And we released it really in August, and it's been amazing. The reception to it has been far beyond anything we expected. That is awesome. Well, and I mean, it strikes me as there really couldn't be a better time for a book about rituals and transformation in this world. Did it come out of seeing what is happening or was this already in the works when you guys saw like the political climate changing? How did this book come about? It was already in the works, but the changing political climate just impressed upon us how important it was to be putting out this kind of teaching material. And we ourselves were relying heavily on the kinds of rituals that we explain in the book in order to make it through everything that was going on without getting swept up in all the drama of it. So it was the right time for it. We didn't actually start writing it until I believe after the election. but. It was something that we had been thinking about for a long time, because even though in our dream book, we had been teaching people kind of the nuts and bolts of setting goals and bringing them into reality, and all the while maintaining a life of balance with plenty of sweetness, from all people's stories, we started to recognize that regardless of whether people made their goals or not, regardless of the kind of external circumstances of their lives, the people who had in place a really healthy perspective about their life and who had healthy rituals as kind of touch points throughout their day and life were basically happy and felt good and positive and peaceful regardless of what was going on. And then we we saw we really need to write a book that focuses more on kind of that inner experience of life and that's what this is. Yeah. Well, there's so much in what you just said, Peter, that like, <laughs> I just want to dive right in around what are some of the rituals? Maybe that's a good place to start. Like what, or maybe this is a better question of how do rituals make a difference in our lives day to day? If somebody's like, yeah, that sounds a little too, maybe foreign to me. Why would you encourage someone to start a ritual for their days? Well, in our book, we really set it out for people, like what the ritual will be so that it doesn't have to feel so foreign. It's really kind of a construction of a day for some touch points. So in the book, we recommend the way it works is that there's a lesson at the beginning of every day. 
that you read and contemplate. And then there's a call to meditate on, you know, meditate in general, but also dropping into the lesson for the day as well. And then using that lesson for the day to set an intention for your day and then a place to journal in the morning um, about anything you wanted to or about your thoughts and feelings about the lesson for the day. And then trying to remember your intention for the day throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, having time to meditate again on in general and then also on the idea of the lesson and then another place to journal writing things you're grateful for for the day and anything that came up for you around the lesson for the day. So, you know, there are a billion different rituals that people can implement in their life, but we really found that people were wanting guidance, you know, like, well, what would be a really healthy ritual for me to adapt into my day? And when you have rituals throughout your day, whether it's this one or others, it really gives you these touch points during the day to kind of drop in a little bit deeper into what's actually happening in your present life, to just really get present, to bring some gratitude and some magic into the moment. And that really helps to slow things down a lot. I think a lot of us can just like rush through our whole day and not really deeply experience any aspect of our lives. And so this gives you the opportunity to become more present and to bring more meaning into different aspects of your life. Yes. And how does going a little bit deeper, I don't know, how does that improve maybe the quality of your day? And what's the key there around getting in deeper around your intention? Well, when I explain it to my patients, more and more I've been using the words expanded consciousness, that that depth gives you an experience of yourself as being more than your mind and body and whatever the issues are that are dominating your consciousness. So whatever the ritual is that you decide to adopt, it's different in some way than your everyday mundane life, which there's nothing wrong with mundane, but by doing something a little bit different during a ritual, like lighting a candle or putting on a special piece of clothing or whatever it is, drinking something special or looking at a picture, there's a shift in your consciousness. Some part of you kind of takes notice and your attention moves to your present experience. It's as if we're not living at the frontier of our experience. We're not in the experience itself. We're sort of a few steps back, kind of appraising it. It's like looking at a picture on your cell phone of something spectacular that's right in front of you (laughs) and being like, wow, isn't this an amazing picture I took? Whereas these rituals, Ideally, and I think that it probably happens regardless of whether a person really intends this or not, it moves you forward in a way. It kind of brings you into the now and you experience, even if you're not really conscious of it, something more than the usual consciousness, your own thoughts and your own, your problems. That expanded consciousness is, is liberating. 
Yeah. Well, and I'm sensing that part of that, at least for me, when there's been a moment where I'm in touch with something that may be either a ritual of sorts or something that is what? I mean, it's interesting because Christine Petty talked about, you know, connections, I think, in Eastern Orthodox religion around, is it tchotchkes? I'm not sure if that's how they say it. (laughs) That there's a deeper connection there and that you're starting to create your own sacred space. And that that in and of itself then helps to, like you're saying, expand your consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's actually a part of a lot of spiritual traditions, sure. even though even though many of them, you know, end up getting kind of clouded by the human neuroses that get intertwined with religious dogma at their core. You know, they all, I think, began with some sort of recognition of like the sanctity of that sacred space that you just referred to. Yeah, and there's a deeper sense, I mean, what I'm sensing too, about around and below and within all of that, is that there's that connection, that you're giving yourself permission to connect to something in a much deeper way than maybe you were when you're just typing at your keyboard. It's what we all want more than anything else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way that you guys have found for people to find a ritual that maybe speaks to them? Because it strikes me as it's something that's probably very, some of them can be very personal. I mean, there's something helpful in setting space for yourself and experiencing something new. But is there a way that people can drop into a ritual that is really, I don't know, fits them personally in a way that feels more connected? I guess I was, when I mean, when I'm feeling into that question, I really feel like sometimes the ability to really get quiet with yourself in meditation or in prayer and really see what emerges as times in your life that you would like to set aside as special, because those are really great opportunities to create ritual. And, you know, for us, we have rituals around our food, around eating with our family. We say certain things, we do certain things, because we believe that when we are, you know, absorbing nutrients from the planet, (laughs) it's a really good time to create some specialness around that so we don't forget what we're doing. And we don't like lose the specialness of that moment. So I guess for any individual when they if they were wanting to create something very unique for themselves around ritual, to start really looking at well, what do you value and what do you not want to lose touch with? How do you want to bring more specialness back? And what kinds of times or places are you wanting to really stop and take notice of? Because anytime that you want to stop and take notice of what is happening in the present is a good time for a ritual. So that might be for somebody, somebody might want to do that, you know, before they start writing, you know, their book that they're writing. They might want to do that before they spend time with their children or when they are going to sleep. There are a lot of different times where we might want to set aside a moment to really engage with the present. And so first, I think that would be a great start to win to do a ritual. And then we really encourage people to use the elements to 
as a nice base as to how to start a ritual, what you could incorporate, you know, lighting a candle to bring fire in, making a beautiful space, maybe with crystals to bring earth in, you know, just really looking around at what might inspire you with beauty or with the elements and bringing those things into your rituals so that you can just be more connected in that way. And I would add to that a little tidbit to add is rather than looking outside for some kind of format to sort of superimpose on what feels natural to you, just to start with what you find most lovable about life, that's a good beginning place. If you find it easiest to get into an experience of love and joy when you think of a certain person or when you're with your kids or when you're out in the garden, that's a nice beginning point to help you sort of stoke that feeling of presence and expansiveness. And then you might try intending that those feelings open up and expand to include more and more of the world so that you start with something you find lovable as a basis for your ritual and intend that that's sort of a portal for that lovableness to to spread. Mm, I like that because as you guys were saying that I was thinking like there's been moments in my own life where like I'm thinking of a particular moment I think it was around my 18th birthday where we just happened to be up Okay, let me tell a story. <laughs> but we happened to be up in the Berkeley Hills and Paul McCartney was playing below us at the Greek theater. And I just, in that moment, went, whoa, this is special. Like, it's almost like, you know, this is a moment I want to shut my eyes and take a, like a little a capture of this and feel all of it and see all of it. And I want to be able to get back here. And so I kind mm-hmm. of think, it, even though it was, you know, so many years ago, like I set the intention of, oh, wow, I really want to remember this. And there's no way a real camera like could really capture because it's so much bigger than that. So of that, then would I take that piece of connection? Like there's a piece of connection and wanting to remember the things that I felt that were loving about that moment. Is there a way to turn that into a ritual to revisit that? Or is it something that I could just intentionally go back to if there was a a hard day or, or a moment that I really just needed to feel the connection with those people in that time? Yeah. I sort of think of it as like pressing the save button of your consciousness, intending an imprint as, you know, a memory on a really deep level so that it does become something you can retrieve and re-experience. And the more things we sort of store in that repository of goodness, (laughs) you know, the easier it is to access that common state that they all have. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also say, you know, if there's something that reminds you of such an event, you know, a rock or a picture or whatever, if you put that on in like a sacred place for you, whether that's an altar or, you know, maybe it's your kitchen counter, (laughs) but whatever place is where you want to create a ritual, then it's a nice way to kind of bring the essence of that feeling into that space for you. And that can be a really nice way to set the stage for whatever ritual you're going to do. I love that because I'm realizing even in this moment, I understand the word ritual for religious, you know, a fairly set construct. And then the idea of how do I make it a personal ritual is probably a little bit foreign to me. So I can see myself 
kind of implanting the intention of that memory on something. I mean, it could even be something that came from that evening or something else, and then just having that nearby so I could revisit that time and place whenever I need it. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. There's like a thread of commonality between all of those experiences. Mm-hmm. What you might think of as like, oh, I was really in my essence, or I was really connected to something that's really authentic, or I recognize that this is something that's really important to me. And by making sort of a link to that that stream of authenticity or what, however you want to, to uh, imagine it or whatever metaphor you want for it, it is like relinking yourself with that thread that has run through your life or, or with that stream of truth or however you want to put it. I really like that. And I think that's so doable. I think maybe the point being for a lot of people is take to take stock in those moments and or also, like you said, Brianna, about taking stock in the values and the feelings that you want to get back into. I mean, is that the other piece of it as you're setting up places and spaces for rituals is how I want to feel and how I and the sweetness that I want to get back to? Yeah, I mean, we can have these peak experiences in life, right? And if we just allow them to be individual peak experiences that we, you know, can look back on too fondly, that's one thing. But if we can see the feeling and really touch into what was that experience, we can have these peak experiences in life and even look back on them with love and enjoy. And that's one thing and it's really admirable and great to have. But if we can start to look at those experiences and see what was really going on in us, like how were we experiencing ourselves, the world, the people around us, and see how we can bring that into our everyday lives. Because, you know, seeing Paul McCartney I mean, that's an unusual and amazing experience that you're not going to get to have every day, but you can have that experience of whether it was like upliftment or magic that is happening around us really regularly, because lots of magic things are happening all the time that we're just not taking note of. And so, you know, you took note of that moment and we could take note of all of the moments. And so really trying to bring more of that essence from those moments into our everyday lives so that we can really experience more of that kind of magic. Yes. Well, and maybe those are the, the big ones are the ones that are kind of (laughs) kind of the gateway to realizing, Oh yeah, I want to capture these things. And then maybe the next time it's noticing, you know, a special, I don't know, even a special little smile or glance from a child or whatever that is. And kind of. Absolutely. Noticing the same connected feeling in those moments, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those little things actually, I think, add up to much more in your life than those isolated, really intense experiences like mm-hmm. you and Brianna were speaking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then the other the other part of the, the title of, of your book is about the transformation of that that how do kind of getting into these rituals and being able to connect with these things and these the places that feel so sweet to us how does that lead or how do you guys see that leading to further transformation and I guess I also want to ask is it for the individual or is there a larger is there something bigger at play here when somebody 
is able to tap into those rituals? Yeah, I think there's something here at play. And in our previous books, we were kind of tentative about using the word God or, you know, we're always very careful to offer people many different terms for whatever they want to call that, whether it's Tao or spirit or God or love. I wouldn't say we tiptoed around it, but we recognized the potential for people to be put off and to associate that stuff with religion and maybe negative experiences otherwise in their life. And yet we had so many personal and professional experiences where a thing that was transformative in, you know, like a quantum change in quality of life that we felt like we had to be really frank about it in this one. And, um, you know, it's like the recognition that all of your attention has been on the tiniest little tip of an iceberg and that there's this vastness that you are that is accessible to you and gives you a perspective that makes all of the things that tend to sweep us up in drama and suffering seem rather insignificant in comparison, which isn't to say that when you have an experience of your highest self that you just stop caring about the little things but they aren't able to monopolize your attention in the same way. And uh, that's a transformation. It might not require that you, you know, quit your job or end your marriage or any of the other things that I think people fear a spiritual awakening is likely to produce in them. More likely is that it's going to alter the fundamental presence that you bring to all of those things and you're going to feel a lot more free in terms of how you show up. Yeah, I agree with everything Peter said. I actually think that a lot of the time I think about uh, the other books that we've written and they're so good at like helping people live this human life, like (laughs) how to like being human 101 or something like how to survive and set goals and make things happen and and wonderful things to understand as a human and even how to deal with your mind and all of the ways in which it thwarts our efforts and yeah I feel like this book is really that has the potential to change how you even view being human how you experience life and your truest, highest self and how that's involved in that. And when you have this, a huge perspective shift from maybe having a glimpse that there's something more to feeling really like you are embodying that something greater than yourself. Yeah. There's something so interesting about that. One, what, just that whole internal versus external landscape piece around kind of until we are willing to be vulnerable and go inside and kind of set that stage. What we spend a lot of time trying to make the outside, you know, ordered and look good and and feel right. But until we've gone internally, it's kind of hard to put all the outside things in order. At least that's my experience having been through coach training and all that as well is 
I feel like I've got this deep well now of things that I can access. And it's a lot harder to rock the ship, if you will, <laughs> now that I can, mm-hmm. I know what's inside. And then the external pieces seem to have ordered themselves. I don't know if that's what you guys have seen and experienced as well. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of times people's efforts to control the external, <laughs> maybe they disappear or they become gentler in some way. And and yeah, I mean, everyone has free will. And so for a lot of people who who have a worldview whereby they expect circumstances outside themselves to produce happiness and peace and balance and joy in them, it can be extremely frustrating to try to control all of those things, especially since very few of us had any training in that kind of thing. But when you when you go inside, as you say, and and you recognize that you really are okay no matter what, and that what you really are is something that is invulnerable and imperturbable, well, life feels a lot different, more like a game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that you said a game because there's actually a Bible quote. I'll see if I can find it because I kind of just know the gist of it. But it's something about once you've kind of learned this way that that then even your enemies will see that there's a lot less you in quotes around, meaning like even when people come at you with kind of what confrontations and whatnot, they think they know who you are, but they don't really at all. And all of that external stuff is all they've got on you and they don't really know you at all. It's just a very interesting idea. I don't know if that that resonates at any level with you because I'm not doing the passage any sort of a great honor there, but it's interesting <laughs> yeah, that kind I, I, of internal external piece. Right. I think we understand where you're coming from with that, where all of the apparent ways in which the world seems to be judging or attacking you, that you is seen to be just this transient personality that you don't feel nearly as protective of and you feel much less like you need to attack the world back when you see that that's not really that's just a fraction of what you are yes thank you (laughs) thank you for unraveling that bit that i just put out there yes it's very true so then i see that there's this really beautiful transformation piece that happens too i'm sure And why it's so timely right now is it does feel like there's a lot of those external things. And to be clear, for anyone listening, like these are real hard things. We're not going to try and say they're not real and that they're not in what impacting our own lives in very real ways. But there's a lot of that happening. And so it feels like to know yourself internally right now and to be able to go into that space that is either sweet or sacred or whatever you need in the moment is more important even now than it ever was before. How can someone start to weather some of the storms or the things that are coming up? I don't know, when it all feels very, very heavy. I'm going to let Brianna answer this one, but um, just to speak a few words to what you were just saying, yes, there's a huge potential to use the kinds of big concepts we've been throwing around as a means of spiritual bypass to to believe that our human stuff isn't real 
and therefore, yeah. you know, that we should be able just to just to transcend it all. It can be a, a form of denial where basically people aren't aware of well, they believe that that their suffering isn't real in some way or that they should be able to get past it. But I'll let Brianna speak more to that. Well, but I love that you just brought up spiritual bypass before we jump to another piece, because I mean, what Danielle Laporte in White Hot Truth talks about spiritual bypass. And I think the bookend of that one, I'm just putting this together, is Brene Brown's Bravery in the Wilderness. Because I think what you're calling out there, Peter, is something about like, we can't just let this be this thing where we feel discomfort. And so we retreat into the spiritual world that feels like, oh, we're okay here. Like it's still, we have to be out there in that wilderness and still have to look these hard things in the eye. And it's, we kind of owe it to this place and our people, meaning all of humanity to make this better. I don't know if that's kind of where you're headed with that, with the spiritual bypass. Absolutely. You know, we, we have work to do here. And I think that it, bringing these qualities we've been talking about, this perspective and this light into the dark shadowy pockets of the world that are tempting to deny, that's how we really wake the world up and make real constructive change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really think that one of the ways that there's this tendency to be like, just like, just going to send everything love and light and hope that that all works out. And yet we are living these human experiences and we're very connected to each other. And so I really think that one of the hardest things to do as like a, somebody who aims to be like a spiritual warrior of sorts is to stay connected to the truth of and see the big difference there is, is that for people to be like, well, I'm connected to the divine inside of me, and therefore I don't need to deal with the problems out there. But if we are really all connected, and there's divine in everyone, how do we forgive? How do we see the divine in others? How do we see the divinity in somebody who isn't able to see it in themselves? Because that's what's happening. People are not connected to truth. They're not able to access in themselves where they are connected to God or love or the truth, whatever you want to call it. And that is creating them to fraction off and take actions that are really painful for other humans. So if we do the same thing and allow ourselves to be disconnected, to see them as disconnected as well, rather than seeing them through the eyes of the divine and seeing that they do have that light in them and holding them to it and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and holding it. Because when we lose that perspective, then we're all lost. Then we've all fallen off the bus. You know, no one then is holding the light. And so there's this way that we can both hold the light and take action. Because, you know, just because somebody is accessing their, their connection doesn't mean that we just stop there and say that that's okay. We can also say, and some actions are not okay here, and we're going to stand up for that. And we're going to stand up for that, not just for the people that are being hurt, but for you too. We're here to help you get more connected to the truth. And so I think that that's a way to avoid spiritual bypass while like maintaining the structure of a spiritual truth. 
And then personally, I think that for people, I mean, I think that it's a very hard time for so, so many people, even if you're not directly affected, the fact that things are happening, we are directly affected because it's happening to people that we're connected to. And so, you know, one like self-care and like really learning to limit your drama intake, not to say like, don't read the news, read the news to get informed, but then also learn how to protect your energy by turning it off too, so that you can get into action rather than just perpetuating more drama. And so when we can get informed and then get ourselves immediately into, or I mean, sometimes we also have to go into like feeling the feelings that come up from being informed. And you, if you, you know, when we have those feelings, it's important not to try to by subjugate those either, but then to try to get into action rather than just staying in the pain body that is being created. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's so much goodness right there. I mean, I love what you were saying about it being our responsibility and and part of our journey here. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but to show everyone like, hey, I see your divinity. I acknowledge your divinity and I'm going to hold you to it. Because I think that really is where so much of the hurt and the what? I don't even know the fear. I, I don't even know how to explain it all. But where people, like you said, are what? Fracturing and factioning off instead of saying, yeah, we all have connection here. And it's interesting that then there's that connection we, that goes back to the rituals of like, how do I get connected to the thing that's bigger than me? And how do we pull other people into getting connected to the thing that's bigger than them? Yeah. I yeah. think that that tendency that you you've both been speaking of it's kind of a a necessary prerequisite to being able to judge and condemn and reject the facets of the world and of the human population that we dislike or are uncomfortable with or disagree with and it really only serves to to further fragment us internally that, you know, we tend to teach people with a metaphor of experiencing the whole world as like an, an extension of your own body. And if you simply can't bear to come to terms with whatever, something about the world, it's like, it's like denying, you know, your own toe because it has, you know, a wart on it or something like that. And and we do that, by the way. We do that with our own bodies all the time. We like hate on our own bodies, like as if they're not part of us. So it, there's a microcosm to the macrocosm there of healing that can be that can happen, and it really it helps both. Yeah. 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 Well, and it, yes, totally acknowledge that. And, and, and I'm even thinking, like, in the healing arts, even like, what if our <laughs> if our tendency is to say, oh, darn you, toe, like, I hate you. Like, if you're sending all those thoughts at your toe, well, that wart is sure as heck going to stick around, right? <laughs> it's digging yeah. in. It's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to stay ugly. <laughs> but it's yeah. interesting because I think the reverse is if you said, oh, I love you, wart, like, that might be a very different reaction. Well, it would certainly change the dynamic of the relationship rather mm -hmm. than feeling victimized and prone to resisting what yeah. you dislike, 
it turns the tables on it to whether even if you're not able to get to the point of I love you, at right. least being curious and turning toward what you would reflexively turn away from, it invites acceptance and integration and letting go. And I feel like when we are interacting with other humans in that way, you know, there's, you know, we can find people who have opinions that we resist to, you know, different degrees. And if it's a challenging thing for you to be curious and turn toward people that have opposing beliefs as you, it's, it might be useful to start with people whose beliefs are not like so far away so that you can practice because it just won't be real if you start with somebody who you object to what they say to such a degree that it's like painful for you to be in conversation with them. It will be very hard to be real about being curious and, you know, turning toward them. So start with people that are just like kind of disagree with you <laughs> and, yeah. you know, practice because it does take practice to not go into our own reactions around things. When people say things that you find very challenging to not like retract all of like from all areas of your being. So practicing, practicing, staying present, staying with them, staying curious and practice like still seeing them in their divinity, even if they have opinions and do things that you don't like. Yeah. We get a lot of people commenting in our Facebook groups that we, through which we support these books and communities that maybe they're, their spouse or partner or friend or whatever isn't totally on board with what they're doing. And it's, it's difficult for them to proceed with it if they feel like not everyone in their life is in agreement with their expansion. And, you know, I think we, we like to kind of keep, keep each other sort of contracted because there's the whole misery loves company thing. And, you know, wanting people to be able to see your very contracted perspective of your life so they can commiserate with you about it. And uh, there's a little, uh, just a short phrase in uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi, where he says something like, when you start out on your spiritual path, you're kind of like a bowl of cream. And if you would submit yourself to like the scrutiny of the world, it would be like dumping that cream into the ocean. You would be diluted and washed away and, you know, your convictions would just sort of disappear. They'd be, you know, it would be very hard to sort of hold to what you believe. But over time, you, that cream is churned and you eventually become like butter and you could take a a blob of butter and, you know, plunk it into a, an ocean and it would stay together. It wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be dispersed. So, you know, that's kind of what happens when you have an ongoing practice and you, you know, you challenge yourself little by little to be, you know, in the midst of people who don't see eye to eye with you and expect that, you know, it's, it's likely for you to be a little bit, you know, tossed around like you would in an ocean. Yeah. Well, and how, or what is the best way? I mean, because since that is, since the action of either inviting people, I don't even, what is this question? Something around, how do we take the action to then, as you guys have said, 
remain kind of curious and also get out of our own comfort zone. Cause I think that's where a lot of us are stuck. Like you've said, that folks are looking for ways. How do I continue on this path, both of my own spiritual awareness, but also of the transformation that we all need to face for the, what, for the betterment of the planet. How do we do that? How do we become the butter and how do we go out and invite others into this vision? Brianna's great at it. (laughs) I'm inspired all the time by uh, her willingness to, to be who she really is and do her work in a broader and broader audience. So it means, you know, not just sharing your convictions with your little group of friends who are bound to agree with you, but little by little, bringing your work to into places that you don't feel entirely comfortable. And a willingness to be uncomfortable is, you know, probably the the most valuable tool in that that process. Brianna's nodding. So I'm just like nodding so much because I'm like, yes, being uncomfortable, being willing to be uncomfortable and not have it, not have it be that you then have to attack what is making you uncomfortable. That is really key because you're going to get uncomfortable. But then if you go into attack, it's you then, in my opinion, you end up losing a lot of the sight of like what you're real like mission is here. And so, I mean, I, I do this, I do work with a lot of people to try to get people back in touch with their essence, which is like what we talk about in the rituals for transformation book a lot. It's like the main goal is like get in touch with your divinity, get in touch with your essence, bringing you back there and then helping you find where your purpose is. What are you here for? What do you stand for? And then how can you align that from the inside to the outside. And and this is where I think it gets really hard for people. We have this desire like bubbling up inside of us to create, to stand for something, to, you know, make a difference in the world. And that comes from a real genuine place in us. And then we often then go take actions that are also kind of innate to us. Like we're like, ah, I must do something. So we go and take actions, but then there's an alignment process that's often kind of missing or misaligned where you are aligning your inner truth with your outer actions. And that's how we bring our visions, our real visions, our real purpose into the world is by making sure that the alignment is coming from the inside out. And so, you know, if we have, say we hold a spiritual belief that we're all one, and yet if somebody remarks on our Facebook post about some, like, (laughs) something that is a charged subject, and they disagree with us, how easily we then cut into them. That's like, you. that means your actions aren't aligned with your inner truth. And so just keep coming back to like checking in to see how we can align our spiritual truth with our inspired action and having that be a system that doesn't have breaks in it. Because when we can make that all aligned in the flow, we are able to make a bigger difference in the world and we're not thwarted by things not going our way in every moment because we have the stability of where we're coming from that really that we can keep tapping back into. And so that means you can use your voice. You can 
donate money. You can take action and you can also be like holding the truth and holding the light at the same time. And I think that it's a, it's a challenging thing to do. And that's what we're here for. It's like, why were we born at this time? We are born now for this challenge. We asked for this. We're here for this. And, and we can do it. I really believe that we can do it. And writing also helps to congeal the cream. <laughs> you know, there's yes. this thing in, in like planning where it's like, if it isn't written down, it isn't real. And uh, I think that that's, it's kind of true for the emergence of truth in you that uh, it's one thing to sort of think about it, but when we pick up a pen in our hand and we, you know, invoke that neurological connection between our brain and our hand and, and turn it into words on a piece of paper, it becomes that much more real for us. And that's why we wanted there to be a journaling component in this book things get worked out as you write them down. You know, we're verbal creatures. And uh, when you put words to what's going on inside you, it, it becomes so much more clear to you. Yes, I find that to be so true. Whether it be working through emotions or scenarios, kind of allowing myself the space to find words is so helpful. But also, I mean, I'm a project manager, so... <laughs> There's yeah. nothing better than a good project plan either. And it makes uh-huh. you more aware of like, how is this thing going to happen? Because it's hard to ignore it once it's out and published or whatever out there to see. Well, we could continue this conversation forever. <laughs> I yeah. adore talking and speaking with both of you guys. Like, this is just amazing. If somebody wants to find your book, where's the best place to find you? Well, you can find out pretty much everything about what we do on thedragontree.com, but you can find out about the book Rituals for Transformation specifically on ritualsfortransformation.com. Wonderful. I will put all those in the show notes as well if someone is driving or whatnot. Any, any last thoughts on these topics before we wrap it up? I just had this idea, this thought that crossed my mind, so I wanted to share it which was like the planning thing, how you said, you know, I'm a project planner, so nothing better than a good plan. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take on a challenge of like, how do we even make a plan for things to get better? And like, really, I think that for me, I'm like, I'm a planner too. So I'm speaking for all the planners out there. Like, what if you planned how to like feel better, make things better, make a difference, and then broke it down like you would any plan and put it into your calendar and then worked your plan. Just like you would if you, you know, wanted to release a product or do anything else. And so, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to challenge myself to do that with our dream book, which is like our planner that we use for people to help them figure out their goals and then break them down and then get them to their schedules. So I think that uh, I I just feel like it's an interesting question to ponder. Like, how can you do that? It's even just doing your part to make that happen. Mm. Yes. And I'll take you up on this challenge. (laughs) too. I can do a plan of how to make more connection, whether that be with the community around this show or, or just kind of the group of people I already interface with in life and with the show that I will put a plan together for that. And if we both want to share that, Peter, I don't know if you have a plan you need to work on that you're, you're, you're welcome to join well, this party. 
I love you people who uh, <laughs> who really thrive in the realm of structure. Yeah. I tend to thrive more in the realm of space, but structure is so important. And one of our most beloved and influential teachers, this guy, Matt Garrigan, who we worked with years and years ago, used to guide people to develop plans with a strong element of kind of magic involved where you would set forth a plan to make something happen whereby the agreements that would support that plan, the sort of nuts and bolts of the plan structure wouldn't necessarily directly produce that outcome. But the overall agreement is that, let's say, the world is going to be a more peaceful and happy place. And the agreements that are going to cause that plan to become reality are, you know, I'm going to brush my teeth twice a day and I'm going to give, you know, 10% of my income to charity or whatever it is. You just have that you've created this overall structure. And even if you can't necessarily see all the dots that you need to connect to make that kind of global change happen, you've set it out with the intention that it's going to occur if you simply put one foot in front of the other and keep your agreements because our words are powerful business. Well, I just I want to say thank you so much for being on the show and coming back. And I look forward to, to being in continued connection with you with you both. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. It's uh, it's wonderful talking with you. And it's great to uh, this is like the perennial conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Brianna and Peter, thank you so much for joining me this week. It was a real treat getting to speak with you again. And I am so inspired to follow the plan that I laid out about how to make things better, just like we discussed. If you guys want to see that, it's over on the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 106. Brianna and Peter, I just want to say thank you for sharing your wisdom on creating rituals in our lives and inspiring us to align our inner truths with our outer actions. If you want to learn more about the Bordens, you can find them at thedragontree.com, or you can head to the website where I will have links to their site. It's at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 106. And over there, I will be outlining my steps that I committed to in the challenge about a project plan on how to make the world a better place. So go check those out. If you want to tag me with your own response to that challenge and how you're going to make the world a better place, you can put that on any social media and tag it at Jumpstart Your Joy. I would love to see all of them. While you're over at the site, uh, be sure and check out the Joy Plus You Unleashed eCourse. Next week on the show, I am so thrilled to have Kelly Casal on the show. Kelly is the CEO of the Ford Institute, which is the foundation that was put together by Debbie Ford, who is the author of The Dark Side of the Light Chasers and A Spiritual Divorce. Kelly joins me to talk about her new book, The Integrity Advantage, which is absolutely amazing, and it comes out on November 7th. It comes out the very same day that that episode is coming out. I adored getting to speak with Kelly, and I know you'll want to catch everything she has to say about integrity, how we can all spiral up together, and how to get into alignment with your own enlightenment. Come back next week for that interview with Kelly. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. Mm-hmm.